0: Y'all ready for the word of God? Amen and amen. Get your Bibles, get to Romans chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 20. Go on and put a finger by Psalm chapter 1, as I'll be referring to that quite often as well. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 23. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. Alright, we've been in Romans long enough. You should know how to get that. Don't use the table of contents. You should know how to get that. Amen, amen. Well, while you're looking for that, let me go ahead and get started. Many of you might remember The Wiz. That depends on which one you watch. But that's alright. They're they sort of similar. There's a particular song on there sang by Michael Jackson. You guys remember Michael there. Remember, he was the scarecrow, the scarecrow. And he sung a little song that goes a little bit like this Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Don't you carry nothing that might be a load. Come on, ease on down. Ease on down, down the road. Pick your left foot up when your right foot's down. Come on, legs, keep moving. Don't you lose no ground. You just keep on keeping on the road that you choose. Don't you give up walking. Ease on down, ease on down the road. Friends, it is God's desire that every Christian should keep on keeping down the road of righteousness. We have been learning in Romans chapter 6 that we must set aside anything that might be a load as we continue to travel down the yellow brick road. What is the load, Christian? It is sin. Sin does not help the Christian down the road of righteousness. If you recall, Jesus came to free us from sin. Let me say that again. You guys didn't get excited. Jesus came to free us from sin. Jesus paid all of our sin debt in full by dying and rising from the dead. God then justifies all those who trust in him. All the charges are dropped and we are free to go. But to go where? Down the yellow brick road. The road of righteous living. And where does this this road lead to? This road leads to eternal life with God. It leads to paradise in a beautiful city with gold streets. However, in Paul's day, there were those of the opinion that that we were set free to travel down the road of unrighteousness. And you know what they believed? That the road, that that road as well, led to eternal life. They reasoned if we are saved by grace, then let's go on with sinning a lot. It's time to turn up and get lit as much as possible on sin. After all, Jesus. it all therefore we got grace to burn just keep looking at me and Paul is astonished why Because Paul understood that our union with Jesus meant that when Jesus died for our sin, it forever changed the direction of our lives. When Jesus died for our sin, church, it forever changed the direction of our lives. Forever changed the direction of our lives. Jesus' victory over sin means our emancipation from sin. Not the presence of sin or the struggle with sin, but certainly the domination of sin. Those shackles have been broken. By faith in Jesus, Jesus takes his throne in our hearts. When we have faith in Jesus, Jesus sits on the throne in your heart. Friends, who's sitting on the throne in your own hearts? Now, we do sin, but when a Christian sins, it is a contradiction to our essential identity in Christ. But to be clear, the direction of your life is determined by who's the master of your life. The direction of your life will be determined by who's the master of your life. This is what we've been learning in 1 John in our Bible study. No one born of God, watch it carefully, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he, keep, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Christianity is not about how many right and how many wrongs you do. Instead, it boils down to who is your master. And how we live our life is the evidence that is key. The way we live our life doesn't save us, but it is the evidence of who we belong to and where we will spend eternity. If it's God, you will continue down the yellow brick road, putting one step of righteousness in front of the other. And even when we stumble, we will not give up walking down the path of righteousness. But if it is the devil... You will continue down the road of unrighteousness, keeping in step with sin. The question I want to put before you and your consideration is, are you on the path of righteousness or are you on the path of unrighteousness? Let me say that again. Question I want to put before you and for your consideration, are you on the path of righteousness or are you on the path of unrighteousness? and let me be crystal clear no person can be on both paths because the paths are entirely different and lead in different directions are you headed to heaven or are you headed to hell and paul helps us to know how this morning look at your bibles verse 20 those who are on the those who are traveling on the unrighteous path they are free to sin For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What is Paul saying? The natural person, apart from God's grace, is free to sin. What do you mean? Well, in a very real sense, we are somewhat like the ten man's evil twin. We don't have a heart for God. And if you were to look inside of us, you would see that we are spiritually empty. Before we are born again and given the Holy Spirit, our freedom is to sin. In other words, let me come to your front door. In other words, we felt the best and the freest when we were walking down the path of unrighteousness, when we were sinning, lusting, getting drunk, Wild parties, any flashbacks yet? Some flashbacks are not that far ago, that long ago. Living in debauchery, worshiping idols, it felt like home to us. When we sin, we would think to ourselves, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. It was righteous living and being around righteous people that made us uncomfortable and irritable. You ever remember being irritated by righteous folks? Goodness gracious. You got to pray every time you're around me. Talk about God. Talk about the word of God. I don't hear about that. Trying to enjoy my sin and be comfortable. There's no place like home. Now, you may say, but pastor, I see unbelievers doing righteous things all the time. Well, come up close and listen and very close and understand that God does not judge like you judge. God doesn't just determine something to be seen by what we do only, but why we do it. Man looks on the outside. God searches the heart. God looks at the motives. Are we both living by faith and by faith doing acts pleasing to God to bring glory to God is the real question. Whatever we do that is not out of faith, that is not having God as the end goal, as the glory, it's sin. Anything we do for our own glory or the glory of other people is sin. I don't care how good it looks. You can build hospitals in sin. You can feed the poor in sin. You can do a ton of good things and it still be sin. Not the act within itself, but the motive behind it. I fed the poor. Pictures all on Facebook. Check me out. <laughs> but let me give you scripture. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin just in case you didn't want to take my word for it. There it is. And then what does 1 Corinthians 10.31 say? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Unbelievers do a lot of good things that are good within themselves. Many do and do so for many reasons. Societal expectations, fear of negative consequences, It feels good to an image bearer to help in causes. Look out for the little guy and so forth. They may make moral choices, but they are free to not do so. They are free not to do so. They don't have the Holy Spirit within convicting them. They are free from the eternal struggle to obey God or his moral law. Unbelievers are not wrestling with God. I wish I had some believers in here who knew what it was to wrestle with God. I know I'm not supposed to do this, God. I want to do it so bad, and God is wrestling with you. They don't have that struggle. While they are free from righteousness, they are not free from the consequence of sin. The unrighteous road, make no bones about it, leads to death. Look at the verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Paul points out two devastating realities about traveling the road of unrighteousness. It's fruit and it's finality. It's fruit and it's finality. He says, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is what? Nothing good. What was I getting out of my sin? Nothing good. Let's be real. We used to brag and boast about our sin, but would go home and be miserable. That's what we used to do, right? Many of us on social media showing all the wonderful pictures from last night, but empty on the other side of the screen. They look good on Facebook. It looks good on Snapchat. But deep down inside, we are miserable with our sin. Empty inside. But if we were to be honest, sometimes it takes years for you to experience the consequence of sin. The consequence doesn't necessarily always show itself. Sin can actually be enjoyable for a while. Many of us are still purchasing makeup to cover up the damage and pain from 20 years ago. This is part of the problem with sin, is that it always looks better before you sin than after you sin. It feels so good before, but after. The ungodly relationship—it starts out fun and amazing. I've never been so happy. He he or she, oh, she, oh, oh, they makes me, oh, they make me so happy. You know, I don't, I don't get all this uh, godly boundaries you guys have. We're having the time of our lives, and then five years later, it's a wreck. What was I thinking? Why did I do that? But in the beginning, it's wonderful. Talking back to your parents seems cool. Lying starts out fun. Walking in injustice seems right. Putting self before everyone else seems advantageous. Ignoring the poor seems beneficial. But how did that work out for you? Or Paul says, what fruit were you getting? But sin is tricky and it's deceitful. Sin is tricky and it's deceitful. It has to be deceitful. Other than that, we wouldn't go for it. Perhaps you remember that cigarette commercial. One in particular I recall is the one where the guy is having so much fun smoking cigarettes and he looks cool. Then they fast forward his life and he's in a wheelchair with lung cancer. This quickly reminded me of sin. Sin starts out so fun, but in the end it costs us everything. Everything. No one goes fishing with no bait. A smart fisherman hides the hook uh, uh, underneath the worm. Sin must hide its consequences or we would never rationally choose sin. Sin hides its hook from you. It hides it from you. Sin does not tell you that that, that I'm going to destroy you in the end. It tells you that it's good. It tastes good. It feels good. You're going to be amazing. You're going to be this and this and that. And then it hooks you in the end, like the fish. And what does it look like to go down the path of unrighteousness? Because the further we get down the unrighteous path, the darker and more dangerous it becomes. Psalms 1 illustrates the unrighteous path and the righteous path well. Let's follow the unrighteous path first in Psalms 1. The first category begins with the unrighteous path. He says, walking in the counsel of the wicked, and then stand in the way of sinners, and finally sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, the further we go down the unrighteous path, the more we become settled in ungodliness the more we sin, the more comfortable we become. The most dangerous place to be with sin is when you do no longer feel convicted about it and when you get to the place when you're okay with it. And the more you're in it, the more it puts you to sleep. You don't want to talk to me this morning, but I'm coming to you. The unrighteous path, the longer we're on it, the more we enjoy it. But what is even more scary about the path It's not lions and tigers and bears, but the very thing that sin produces. Listen to me clearly, church. What does the psalmist say all of our sin produce? What does sin produce? Nothing but emptiness. Sin kills us slowly. The verse goes on to say, are like chaff that the wind drives away. There is nothing worse than to be empty inside, without purpose and hollow. Nothing more painful than to run and never reach your goal. Chasing sin is like chasing the wind. Sin always brings death with it, not necessarily physical death right away. Sin dehumanizes us, it empties our life of a little more meaning, it creates more unsatisfiable cravings, and many of us in this room desire things in our life to be fruitful, but they are unfruitful because we want to do things our way instead of God's way. Who am I talking to this morning? We want things to be fruitful, our marriage to be fruitful, our job to be fruitful, our friendships to be fruitful, our character to be fruitful. But we want to do things our way. You cannot expect to have godly fruit living in ungodly life. This is not going to happen. But friends, all roads lead somewhere. And where does this unrighteous road lead according to the psalmist? Look at the verse. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, all those who have not put their trust in Jesus... All those who have not put their trust in Jesus, all those who do not set their faith on the Son of God, all those who do not set their faith on the Son of righteousness, all those who do not set their faith on the living water, all those who do not set their faith on the bread of life are headed to hell. All those who practice sinning will not be in heaven. Let me say that again. All those who practice sinning will not be in heaven. Period. They will not be in heaven where the righteous is. The unrighteous road does not lead to heaven. It leads to hell. Look at verse 6. The way of the wicked will perish, according to Paul in Romans. The end of the wicked is judgment before a holy God. Jesus says it like this, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. You ought to tremble at that verse. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. Many. Why should you tremble at this verse? Because of what Hebrews says. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't want to fall into the hands of the living God. Your mama can't save you. Your daddy can't bail you out. God is the highest of judges. There's no one who can save you. You do not want to fall into his hands you don't want to no excuses no nothing everything will be laid bare before him if you yet to trust in jesus get off the path of unrighteousness for it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god friends paul is clear in verse 21 that sin leads to death you know what's behind the curtain when you finally reach the end of the road of unrighteousness? Not something that can fulfill all of your dreams and deepest desires. Not a great and powerful Oz, but Thanos. I mean, you're like, where did Thanos come from? I like to call him Thaddeus, but the movie said that his name is Thanos. The word for death in the Greek is thanatos. You may not know that, but if you are into Avengers, you know that the ultimate bad guy in Avengers universe is a guy named Thanos. There he is. That brother right there with that glove on. (laughs) That glove is blinged out. But Thanos, wherever he goes, what happens? People die. The comic strip borrowed his name from the Greek. Thanos is essentially the same word here, death. When you come to the end of your life, the only thing waiting on the other side is Thanos. As pastors, we spend our time pleading with people to not travel the road of unrighteousness and not to bow down to Thanos. Instead, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, the author and finisher of our salvation. He's greater, he's better, and he's more worthy than Thanos. (laughs) And those who come to Jesus are free to travel the yellow brick road. They are free to live righteously. The verse goes on to say, But now that you have been set free from sin, now that you have been set free from sin, now that you have been set free from sin. God didn't hear me. I said, now that you have been set free from sin. Now that I have been set free from sin. Now that I'm free from sin. Talk to me, Paul, and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification in it's in eternal life. That'll preach all by itself. The fruit that you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. There is an eternal logic in flow here. Slavery to sin has a fruit and a finality. But friends, on the other hand, salvation through Christ has a fruit and a finality as well. In other words, just as the unrighteous path leads to to a final destination, the righteous path leads to a final destination as well. The road of unrighteousness leads to shame and death, but the yellow brick road leads to sanctification and eternal life. I wish I had some people in here this morning. The yellow brick road leads to sanctification in eternal life, we will much further develop what sanctification is. But let me give you a quick definition. Sanctification is becoming what we are. Sanctification is becoming what we already are. Becoming in practice what I am in position before God. God justifies me and declares me righteous so that when I put my faith in Jesus, the judge, the God says, righteous. That's what God does, but the issue is is that God has to now do a work inside of me to catch me up with what he's already declared me to be. Sanctification is a lifelong process with the goal to conform every part of our lives to the life and example of Jesus Christ. What are we becoming? We are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Romans eight twenty nine puts it this way, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And I said this before, a lot of people like to quote the other verse, all things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. We like to shout and say, God's going to work it out. But you got to understand in context what is good is anything that God does to make you look more like Jesus. So whether it's pain or suffering or goodness, whatever he does, as long as is at the end, you come out looking more like Jesus, that's a good thing. <laughs> Sanctification is becoming who we are, and it is a lifelong process. The further we get down the yellow brick road, the more we start to look like Christ. The further we get down the path of righteousness, the more we begin to look like Jesus, And some of us, if we're honest, we may have started off our walk on the yellow brick road like the scarecrow. If you remember, he started off a little bit wobbly. He started off crawling, but at the end of the day, he stayed on the path of righteousness. He eased on down the road. Sometimes in this Christian walk, sometimes I'm not walking. Sometimes I find myself crawling. Sometimes I find myself wobbly. I'm not always standing up straight, but I'm determined to stay on the yellow brick road and not leave it. sometimes you may look at my life and say, pastor, you don't look like a pastor today. Today you look a little bit like you did 10 years ago. But the thing about the believer is that they are determined to stay on the path we are becoming what we already are in the sight of God do you remember on the Wiz that the scarecrow the tin man the lion in Dorothy were just becoming what they already were they didn't need anything from a wizard or a scarecrow they are uh, they they the scarecrow already had a brain the tin man already had a heart. The lion already had courage. And Dorothy had everything she needed to get home. Kristen, be encouraged today. You already have everything you need for life and godliness. God gave you the new heart. He gave you a new mind. He gave you a Holy Spirit courage. Already you got it already. Oh, you walk that path differently when you know you got it already. Oh, you look totally different when you know you got it already, when you know that you're becoming what God has already made you. God has put everything down on the inside of you. Uh, The whole time we're walking, God is developing and showing us that he's faithful. I love the book of Philippians. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. I'm so thankful that God is on my side, that he walks with me. He talks with me. He works in me. Because if God was not on my side, where would I be? Christ is with us. I love the way that Peter says it. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let's go back to Psalms 1 and follow the righteous path. It gives us a picture of the righteous person's life as if it was on film. Let's go back to Psalms 1 and trace the righteous person now. The righteous person progresses in godliness instead of ungodliness. As we walk on the path of righteousness, the psalmist says, but his delight, underline that delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates when? Day and night. Day and night. What is happening to us? We are actually enjoying becoming more and more godly. We are rejoicing in becoming more and more like Christ. And let me pause here. Isn't this the problem before salvation? Why can't I do right? Because my interests is enslaved to my nature, and my nature is to sin. I'm a sinner, but in Jesus, we begin to delight in what is godly. God has fundamentally changed my nature so that I delight in him because for the first time in my life, I am free not to sin, In Jesus, I finally obtained the power and the desire not to sin. I remember when God first changed me, and all of a sudden I get up, I get into my car, and I drive to the Bible store. I drive to the Christian store, and I buy myself a Bible. I'm driving back home, and I'm asking myself, what is happening to me that I'm thirsting and hungering for God's word? And then I would sit up and watch church TV. Now I won't watch all. That stuff on there now. But back then, this is before I was I just got on the yellow brick road. I wasn't known that long. I ain't know. I was just I was just getting what I can get. You feel me? I was eating what I can eat. You know, I don't eat that too much no more because yeah, I got food poisoning one time and I had to leave that alone. But anyways, I ain't gonna say no names. I'm just gonna keep it moving. Y'all just be warned. If you've been sick lately and falling out and all that, and you better watch what you're eating. but anyway and I, I i and i'll never forget that I called my girlfriend at the time, Paige, and I said, Paige, I don't know what's happening to me, but I'm ready to go to church and start to live for the Lord. Are you willing to do it with me? Friends, back then, I didn't know what was happening to me, but now that I've grown a little bit up in the Lord, I understand what was happening to me. God put living water down in the inside of me. God gave me a new appetite, new taste buds. He changed who I was, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And when God gets down on the inside, you better believe that change is coming on the outside. Friend, God had freed me from sin. So what does the believer begin to do in Jesus? We begin to set aside anything that might be a load. And those around us are surprised that we no longer Want to travel on the road of unrighteousness. They like, hey, boy, come over here. Get some of this good stuff over here. Get off that lame yellow brick road and come over here. And we're like, no, come over here. And they're like, no, come over here. And we're like, come over. That's why Christians ought to boast and brag about how good God is. Because if the world can boast and brag on their father, can we not boast and brag about our father? Come over here. And I'll never forget. Going back to my past, when when God began to change me and I told my homeboys, I ain't with none of that no more. I don't want to go to the parties and all all that juking and stuff. I'm done with all that. And they would say, man, you just playing. You ain't on that. And one day they had to trick me, right? They did. They did trick me. I ain't lying. They tricked me. They told me that it was a get-together and I got there. It was an actual party. And so when I got there, you know, people doing the regular things or whatever. It took everything in me not to join in. But they were surprised that I didn't indulge with them, and I don't say that to brag on myself, but to brag on the power of God, because it's real, it is real. Let me put it the way that let me put it the way that Peter puts it: For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this. They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. But watch verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see there? There's a way of living that leads to death. But there's a way of living... That leads to life. The yellow brick road, the road of righteousness leads to life. But what happens as we continue to ease on down the road? The psalmist says we will produce righteous fruit. This is what he says. He is like a tree planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Friends, there is no greater choice than to follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but following him has made my marriage better. It's made my job better. And even if these things do not become better, it has allowed me to keep my joy in the midst of hardship. Following Jesus has made me a more loving and giving person. If I could point to Sheila for just a second, even on her deathbed, her fruit did not wither. She said, Pastor, I'm not afraid of death, for I know where my joy is. There is a joy in God that does not cease. Fruit is produced in the believer. Now, let me be clear here, because there's one thing to talk to talk. And there's another thing to walk the walk. Many people claim that they love Jesus and that they are saved. But the fruit of your life will be the evidence of your salvation. It's easy for us to love God, but it's hard for us to love other people. And the true evidence of salvation is how we treat people. Not do we go to church, not do we raise our hands, not do we pray, not that we do we read our words. And those things are wonderful and great, but if you treat people like trash, there's no salvation in you. If Jesus is in in you, you should care about the man who has nowhere to sleep or who has nothing to eat. You should care about misogyny and the belittling of women. You should care about injustice in the world. You should start putting on the new you. You should become more patient. You should have more joy in your soul because you are in an unchanging and immovable God. The closer we get to God, the more we become like Him. When we look at Jesus, what did He do? He cared about the woman at the well. He cared about the blind man. He cared about those who didn't eat. He cared about those who are oppressed. We should look more and more like Jesus if we are in Christ. But sin is a step towards hell and all of its terrifying realities. Slaves to God walk the path of righteousness, and each step is a step towards fullness of life. That goes on forever. Here is Paul's summary. The end of each road has application. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Let's say that together. For the wages of sin is what? But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, to travel down the unrighteous path is to earn Thanos in death. But to travel down the righteous path is to get what you don't deserve, which is what? The gift of eternal life with God. Behind the veil of unrighteousness is a fake wizard called Thanos in sin who lies and promises you so many things, but in the end he only offers what? Shame and death. The wages of sin is death. The word rages means payback, payday. In the words of one famous singer, James Brown, the big payback. God will pay us back if we stay on the unrighteous path. The holiness of God requires payment for sin. Do you hear me in here? 2 Thessalonians 8.9 says this, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Hell is eternal regret. Sin's payday is horrendous. God's wrath forever, all of it earned like a paycheck. All sinners are paid in full. When God sends sinners to hell, he is not being unjust. He is paying them what they rightfully deserve. And don't you be arrogant, Christian, because you should have got the same payment. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ has paid your sin in full so that your payday looks much different. For we have not come to a veil, for it has been torn, but to a God that embraces and will shower his grace on us forever. Friends, coming to Jesus is no trick. He will do what he has promised. God is not a man that he should lie. Indeed, God cannot lie. Beloved, at times you may ask yourself, why do I even stay on this righteous path? Unbelievers seem to have it so much better than me. Anybody ever felt that way? You're looking at unbelievers, and they prosper, and they got it good, and they look like they're having fun, and you ask yourself, why am I going to church? Why am I being faithful to God? Why am I trying to do the right thing? And they look like they doing just fine. I just want to dibble and dabble just a little bit. But, friends, I came to tell you that at the end of the day, at the end of your life, great is your reward in heaven. So don't reason with yourself. You know how seeing is. Come on. Me and Kim was talking about this. Just go ahead and stick your toe in the water. Just go ahead and taste just a little bit. It won't hurt. How do you fight that? One of the ways to battle temptation is to ask Paul's question. What fruit am I going to get from this? How will I feel after this? What will the consequences be? Now, this requires a level of maturity in your thinking, but it is always helpful. This has been a lesson I've learned when I was battling with pornography. How many times, Dexter, do you have to let your eyes go where where they shouldn't and then feel shame afterwards? You're going to feel terrible if you look at that, fantasize about that, linger on that. At some point, we have to think about the hook and not the worm. I have found bringing this to mind as I'm tempted, it helps me to say no to temptation. Similarly, there are so many things I naturally don't want to do that I've learned are great after I do them. It is the lesson of physical exercise. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to work out. Y'all keep praying for me. Y'all going to be hearing these these illustrations for a long time until I finally get in shape. But anyways, uh, When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to go work out. But after I work out and I leave the gym, it is the best decision I ever made. Friends, choosing righteousness doesn't always feel good at the moment. But afterwards, you're going to feel better than you ever did before. Get up and keep walking down the yellow brick road, even when you don't feel like it. Forgiving people don't feel good. Giving doesn't feel good. But the residuals are wonderful. The key is to begin with the end in mind. In temptation to sin, I'm going to feel terrible. I'm not going to do what makes me feel terrible. But the ultimate end is what we must keep in mind. I want to land you on revelation. After this, I looked. And behold a great a great multitude that no one can number from every nation from every nation From every tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their face before the throne and they worship God. I don't know about you. But I want to be with the angels worshiping God. (laughs) Friends, stay on the yellow brick road and don't you carry nothing that might be alone. Pick your left foot up when your right foot's down. Come on, believer. Keep on moving. Don't you lose no ground. You just keep on keeping on the road that you choose. Don't you give up walking for there's no place like home.